1: Hey, this is Kevin Kelly. Get ready for the latest episode of the Cast! And welcome to a very special episode of the Stardom Cast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by my good friend, Matt Turner. And we are joined by an incredibly special guest the 2022 Legacy Award Ring of Honor Hall of Famer, Carrie Silking. Carrie, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us today. We are so excited to have you here.
2: Thank you for having me
1: on. Not a problem at all. Now, I do understand that you are struggling with your voice. So uh, hopefully throughout the podcast, we can get you warmed up a little bit.
2: That's all right. <laughs> there, too, too many cigars over the years, which I still smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... If it's okay
3: with you, uh, Mr. Rob Goodwin, I'd like to start off with a uh, story about how I got to know Kerry uh, pretty well. That's okay with you to say.
1: Absolutely. I'm excited to hear this
3: so for those who don't know i graduated for the uh, ring of honor dojo Mm -hmm. now back when i trained at the ring of honor dojo uh some 18 19 years ago the dojo was in bristol pennsylvania which is right outside philly so the one day we're at training and carrie comes up to me and he's like hey he's like where are you located at i said oh i'm outside of scranton and he's like well i'm not going to say where carrie's from so he told me where he was and he needed a ride home. And I forget what happened. Either the battery he of lost it,
2: my keys. He
3: lost his key, <laughs> right? And, uh,
2: they they were fe- Well, I did lose them. They were found eventually, but <laughs> I needed a ride home. And, and, and Matt was in the
3: general direction. So I had no idea. He told I said where this town was, no idea where it was. Now I live like 10, 12 minutes away from Carrie. Like I'm like two towns over.
2: Pennsylvania
3: yeah based that area so so gave him a ride home you know he was took me out for dinner it was a great conversation got to know about him and uh basically he was kind of married to Madison Square Garden I asked him a whole bunch of questions with Bruno San Martino and superstar Billy Graham and that you know all questions we'll get into it in a few moments so fast forward about 15-16 years later my wife for my birthday took me to a uh, a house an NXT house show or special live event or whatever they're called at the casino in Bethlehem. I think it's called Wind Creek now. It seems like they changed right. the name. The stands. The stands. It seems like they change the name once or twice a year. It's no. tough to keep up with. So we're at the show, and I noticed the Undisputed Air guys who were bad guys heels. So Roderick Strong, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, Adam Cole. They're coming out and they're getting their heel heat. But however, they're going up to somebody in the front row and keep giving this one guy like a handshake and a hug. And I'm like, it's kind of odd. They're, they're coming out doing like the heel entrance. And I look over and I go, oh, my God, that's Carrie Silken. And I haven't seen Carrie in years, years. So I go to my wife. There's intermission. I go to my wife. I said, I said that's Carrie. I said, he used to run Ring of Honor, the, nice, the nicest guy, nicest guys before me and my wife met. So I'm, I'm going to go and say hello. She goes, there's no way he's going to remember you. I said, I know, probably not, but I just wanted to just say hello. Hmm. So again, this is 15, 16 years later, give or take. I walk over to him. I shake his hand. And I go, hey, Carrie, you probably don't remember me. And he stops me. He goes, you gave me a ride home once, didn't you? <laughs> Everything that this man has done for pro wrestling and ring of honor and whatnot, he remembered that little old Matt Turner from Old Forge, Pennsylvania, right outside Scranton. Gave him a ride home. I thought that was, I thought that was great. I had the the biggest smile on my face.
2: Or I would have still been, or I would have still been stuck in Bristol trying to get home.
3: (laughs) But uh, we got you, we got you home. And then when I eventually met my wife, moved up this way, but the job that I have, I do traveling sales. I wind up having the town. I was like, Oh, I said, that's where Carrie lives. I said, how about that? I'm literally 10, 12 minutes away from Carrie. So after all that, we're, we're like pretty much almost like neighbors now. So I just thought that was a, was, was really, really funny, but. Uh,
2: yeah, Matt, you'll have to come over here some, sometime. If you look over my shoulder. That's I, I have a, I have a really good. Um, wrestling poster collection. You gave me a tour. I, I, I probably, I I've given away like a hundred of them, but I still have a couple hundred posters that are essentially from the sixties, seventies and eighties. They stopped making them, you know, in, in in the eighties. Um, but it used to be a staple of wrestling advertising. Mm. You know, they would be in the, in the, the barber shop window the candy store window uh, of of the town and uh, even even in new york city and um i have you know they're very rare um but it's like i have a couple of garden posters you know in collecting uh how they're like with all this, with all this grading bullshit, with this PSA, oh, a population of two, right? Well, some of these posters, it's probably a population of one. Forget the condition, because how many did they make to start with, right? Let's say a, a garden poster, how many did they make? Well, let's say a thousand. And and that's a lot, but and how many were saved? But anyway, you'll have to come over and check out. And and then eventually, uh, with Ring of Honor, I brought the cardboard poster back. You know, and uh, I remember those in the office. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. So anyway, so you can see a few in the you can see a few in the background. No.
3: Yeah. When I was there, Carrie gave me a tour. Do you still have the pinball room, Carrie? You had a whole bunch of old. Oh, so
2: here. I forgot. Of course you were here. You dropped me over. Yes. I still have the pinball machines. And it's a shame because uh, I have like 12 machines. They don't work properly. They don't get used. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it, Pinball machines from the 60s 70s and 80s should be worth a lot more than they are but the reason they're not is because there's not they're very hard to fix and there's not a demand for them Mm. sort of like my wrestling posters like (laughs) (laughs) but anyway i'll shut up no
1: please carry on Uh, this if this entire podcast is just you explaining just your collections and all these things i'm a happy man honestly uh
3: rob it's amazing and again this was i my daughter was a year or two old and she's going to be 19 in october so this is yeah time flies she just graduated high school we just had her graduation party this past weekend you remember me bringing her to shows literally you know diaper bag and all but uh so I remember, I remember the pinball room. I remember that. And I remember this and both you guys are probably going to, everybody is probably be mad at me. And Rob, you know how much of a giant collector I am of everything. Yeah, yeah. So when I left, Carrie gave me a mint magazine. I forget. I know it was a wrestling magazine. Obviously I forget the name of the publication, but I remember it had Luthez and Vern Gagne on the cover in a hammer lock, top wrist lock, excuse me, top wrist lock. And I wind up moving something like three times in four or five years. And I lost it in the move. I lost it in the move. I'm no. sorry. Sorry, boss. I'm sorry.
2: Why would you admit that's it like, on the podcast? <laughs> I'm that's an honest that's man. Worse. That's worse than your mother throwing it away. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, Carrie, Rob and I, we were on one of our Patreon episodes. Some We got on the topic of WrestleMania one for some reason. And then I just like, let's just cut it off. Let's just, yes. Uh, let's just ask Carrie. Now, Carrie, um, I, I, uh, uh, will push that everybody needs to listen to your podcast with Ian Riccaboni. last stop at Penn Station. I last app- stop
2: Penn Station. It sits out there in the podcast in the uh podcast universe on all these various platforms. Um I, it uh not only is it about you know my ring of honor and about my uh time with Ring of Honor and pro wrestling, but it's a wide open, uh, naked expo, (laughs) seriously, uh, uh, of my life and and my, you know, my adventures and my misadventures. And uh, so if anybody likes stories of the bizarre, If anybody likes uh, hearing about what New York City was like in the 70s and 80s and and there's plenty of, you know, and the Ring of Honor stuff and my other wrestling stuff, it's all there. Last Stop Penn Station. There is an an episode dedicated to WrestleMania One. Because of the bizarre nature that I got to see it.
3: That's what, yeah, that's yeah, what that we're going to bring I up. I, rem- I remember on that car trip home, you were telling me about your times in Madison Square Garden with Bruno San Martino, superstar Billy Graham. So you were at WrestleMania 1, correct, Harry?
2: I was at WrestleMania 1. And, uh, you know, I, uh, between the time I graduated high school, and until the early '90s, I was like Bob Hope's little brother—no hope. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I—I I, was—it was. I'm a lifetime addict, and uh, in those years that I just mentioned, uh, my drugs of choice were. Uh, Besides everything, was predominantly alcohol and cocaine, and uh, you know, if they, you know, recently they just had that giant Powerball thing mm. this week with I don't know some record payout. Yeah. Well, me me becoming successful uh, based on the way I lived, it, it was like hitting the power.
4: Um,
2: that was a daytime show that was at 2 p.m. Did you know that? I didn't know that, yeah. I'm a huge
3: yeah. WrestleMania like historian. No, no I didn't know that.
2: Look it up. Um, and so I had a friend, my friend Harry, who was a wrestling fan, and uh. He was a fellow uh, partier, uh, drug user, and we wanted to go, and we were both, I was, he had an apartment in Hoboken, which is right across from Manhattan. You get on the train, the PATH train, in 14 minutes, you're at 33rd Street by where the garden is, or you get on the bus, you're right in the city, anyway, Harry and I wanted to go. We didn't have any tickets. And the other problem was between the two of us, we had about 50 bucks. So I said, look, let's just go over. And I knew some tricks. And, and, and you know, uh, uh, what year was this? 84?
3: 85.
2: 85. Right. Well, I I had uh, dabbled with some ticket scalping things, which eventually I did full time, which is a huge. There's some great, phenomenal uh, episodes. Last Stop Penn Station, about my ticket scalping misadventures and these characters. People used to say to me, "Aren't you worried about getting you know in trouble, getting you know busted?" I said no no no, I'm worried about the other guys that are doing it. you know like it was, a, it was a, a treacherous crew but anyway, I wasn't in the ticket game full time, but I knew a few tricks. So we take the our plan was we'll go to, we'll go in and if we can't if we can't get in we'll try to we'll try I don't know what we were gonna do because I don't they had it on closed circuit. This would be before the time of pay per view and before the time. I mean, they had it on closed circuit at theaters around the country. Hmm. So if you were in uh, Davenport, Iowa at the local theater, they would have, you know, the pay per view there. Same with boxing. Anyway, we go into the city. And we get off the train, and as we walk down 32nd Street to the front of the garden, the main entrance, I didn't see any of the scalpers around. I'm like, like, what's going on? Well, that's because no one had any tickets, and the ones that had them sold them. And there was a guy, uh, a regular uh, person. You ever hear the expression the 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 guys the a guy he's so lame he can't get laid with a well the, the, the can't get laid with a hundred dollar bill sticking out of his pocket in a whorehouse and now now it might be four hundred but anyway
0: <laughs> there's
2: a guy on the corner of Seventh and Thirty Third waving a hundred dollar bill now tickets at the time were like Ten and fifteen, you know, there were nothing, and no one had tickets. So we're we're walking around the block, and I'm hoping to catch someone uh, that might, you know, you you've been to events where you see the scalpers going, who's selling tickets, who's selling tickets. Well, the idea is, you know, a guy gets four tickets for an Eagles game from his company. And he's only bringing his, his a friend, he's got two extra. So he might. So I'm doing the who's selling tickets routine. And a guy gets out of a cab and he goes, Yeah, I have one. I go, how much? He says, he looks at it, he goes, Oh, it's fifteen bucks. I go, all right, here, good. So we had one ticket. And we considered, what we, we were walking and walking and walking. And it's like quarter to two, 10 to two. There's no ticket. Even at, and once again, we didn't have money. But even at a price, there just were no tickets. But, but I knew this. Uh, back then, there was a deal called spinning the gate. And uh, would you like to guess what that means?
3: You've told me, but that's all. I won't. I won't. I won't spoil it. You've told me what it what it meant, I'm Rob. In,
1: I'm intrigued. I, I, I can't. <laughs> Go on. What What is it?
2: Well, just like at the garden, whether it was at the garden or if it was at the big arena in London in the 80s, or even at Royal Albert Hall. The ushers, the guys that ripped the tickets, these were you know, they would take money, right? So we had the one ticket, mm, and right. we waited till like five to two, so most people were in, and have your tickets out, have your tickets out. So I had a twenty dollar, my 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 one and only twenty dollar bill, and the oldest, crustiest guy in like a line of like the six turns. I was going, right this way, young man. <laughs> and I gave him the 20, you know, palmed it and he's like, you know, have a good time, you know? So Harry was in with the ticket. I was in, I sat in the aisle um, by where Harry's seat was, they didn't give a shit, and uh, that's how I got into WrestleMania one.
3: And you, you fast forward about twenty nine years later, Carrie, and your baby that you've helped built up and kept afloat for so long, Ring of Honor is in that building, selling it out. What a surreal experience that has to be for you, considering the fact that you're trying to get in that building for WrestleMania one. No but other company only trying
2: to get in the building for that. This is also the same building I saw Bruno uh, Pedro Morales against Freddie Blassie, my first Madison Square Garden match that I begged my dad to take me to. It's the same building I saw Led Zeppelin and the we're talking the 70s, Led Zeppelin, Jethro Tull, Rolling Stones, Paul McCartney, Wings Over America, The Who, The Dead, everyone. We used, we used to go to shows. We didn't care if it was black Sabbath or Billy Joel. We just used to like to go to shows. So, um, and then there was between like 86 and 91, I was on the street, uh, hustling tickets. So then I cleaned up my act and, uh, Forward to 2019, I get to walk out and be at ringside and be, you know, and and hand the belt to uh Matt Taven. And uh yeah, it, so once again, the odds of this all happening is like a Powerball win. So I'm very I'm very lucky, man.
3: But it can happen, folks. We say all the time on this podcast that if you just work your ass off, believe in yourself, don't take no for an answer amazing what you can do it really is yes
2: and yeah, you need a little luck and uh you don't want to od on (laughs) drugs
3: and a kick in the ass so now i'm gonna tag rob in here because i know there is a once i told him that we had carry on for the show i know there's one question that he wants to uh definitely ask you so rob as you know i'm primary tag team wrestler there's the tag, brother. Go right ahead. This Thanks. one's all yours.
1: Um, so, obviously, there's loads of little bits about Ring of Honor that... Well, I'll say little bits. There's loads of big things about Ring of Honor I want to talk about with you, Gary. But the biggest thing... One of my favorite matches of of all time, and I imagine I'm not alone in that, is uh, Kenta Kabashi versus Samojo, 2005. Um, Mine too. On, honestly, it's a match that... There are some matches that you just can go back to and it's like a comfort thing. And that's that's the match for me, Samoa Joe and Kenta Kabashi. And I know that people have asked uh, questions about it in the comments, so I've sort of rolled them all into one. Um, But one of the biggest questions, and it's a story I think Samoa Joe told, um, was basically Kenta Kabashi... How was Kenta Kabashi feel? Because was he not aware of how over he was going to be when he walked into the... Into the building.
4: Um,
2: I mean, I had little to no interaction with him. Mm. as a Matter of fact, the night before the show, uh, the aforementioned Paul McCartney was at the garden. <laughs> and and uh, Matt, remember Ken, the translator from Noah?
3: Yeah, uh-huh. there was a yeah, Ken so and I I, a Rue. Yeah,
2: and Rue. Yeah, so we invite. I had extra tickets. We invited him. Well. Apparently Kabashi wasn't a Beatles fan but <laughs> um, and and the night of that match he didn't show up to the building like if, if till like 35 40 minutes before the match so I don't think he and Joe had very they might have talked a little during the day mm-hmm. but they might not have either so I remember, you know, I remember Joe behind the curtain. He was sitting there by himself from the opening match, and I wasn't like really close with him, but we were friendly, and I was the boss. I'm like, I go, you're right, man. He goes, yeah, 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 and he just sat there, just getting in the zone, and uh, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was a that was a match that had the big fight feel like Ali Fraser, mm. you know, the first Ali Frazier match, or there's other examples, but that's the best example I could just pull out, mm. you know, and uh, it was just special and it lived up to it, you know, really did. and uh, as far as did Kabashi mm. know, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, that was uh, that was very special.
1: It was, and you mentioned you know the word special, and honestly, the word dream match is thrown about far far too much nowadays. And that really is a dream match. It felt like it at the time because, good God, was that crowd hot? That crowd was insane. And there's that moment where um, Kabashi walks through the curtain and you just see him it hit him just how much like this crowd are into him and the idea of seeing Joe, who's 2005 is up there with anyone's single year in wrestling like he was damn near untouchable in the US in 2005 and then you've got kabashi who is you know again in japan having one of the greatest years of an already outstanding career so the fact that that was a match we get to see and you know absolutely incredible um how did that all sort of come together, this this dream match?
2: Um, we were approached by pro wrestling, Noah, and they wanted to have a U.S. presence. Matt probably knows this kind of stuff better than me as far as the order of the way things happened. Mm-hmm. Because... I don't think we were dealing with Pro Wrestling Noah much before that match. It was after that. Am
3: I wrong, Matt? I think so. I think you just – I remember when I first – when the trainees first came in, one of the first shows was the Final Battle 3 with All Japan. And I think because it got such a good reception that Noah, who at the early 2000s, was really the front runner in the japanese wrestling it really was until 2012 till new japan took over and then bring him on had that working deal with their with them as well boy you guys worked with everybody didn't we but yeah. um but and, uh yeah, yeah i think that um they wanted to get like a little bit more of a u.s presence yeah. because of how big right. Kabashi got and then uh it was kenta and marifuji they came right. up for quite a bit and they they and, and yeah. don't
2: forget morishima
3: yeah, and who that be winds was, up becoming uh, the champion. Yeah. That was another yeah. one I
1: was going to ask because um the the um, sequence of matches he had with Danielson again are some of my favorite matches of all well, that Manhattan Mayhem one. Incredible. And I feel like because of his early ish retirement, Moro sort of overlooked a little bit in the grand scheme of things, which is, is he shame.
2: still in business.
1: No, he retired. No. I think he I think he retired from a neck injury. Um I yeah. think it was, it was like quite early as well. I'm sure it was like 2011
2: or something.
3: Yeah, almost 10 years ago, or probably more than 10 years ago, yeah.
2: Well, the guys from Pro Wrestling Noah, the management, um, they were wonderful. And uh it was very expensive to have them come over with the visas and uh but it it, it gave it gave Ring of Honor more of an international presence, and they were Even though we worked with Dragon Gate, Dragon Gate was a bunch of scumbags uh, compared to Pro Wrestling Noah. I mean, they just... uh, Pro Wrestling Noah guys were very honorable and they had us come to Tokyo twice. You know, once in 07 and once in 08. I mean we can't go to Japan and sell tickets. They had to do everything for us. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, it was a very good experience working with them. Um, And eventually uh, it just, it it was by 2009-ish. Look, Ring of Honor should have folded back when Matt was in training. Because it was a financial disaster, disaster. I, I ne- people don't believe it, but I never made a penny. All I did was lose money. <clears throat> Fortunately, I parlayed the tickets street ticket scalping to having a legitimate office, and I was in the a, a, a ticket broker and uh, did very well. I didn't have wife and kids. So I was borrowing from Peter, which was the ticket agency, my my business, to pay Paul, which was Ring of Honor. So even uh, a child with rudimentary mathematic knowledge would have told me in 2006, uh, you, you should close this thing. You just keep losing money, and I should have. But due to my uh, due to my ego, due to my passion, due, due uh, I, I knew we had a good thing, and I knew we were never gonna, you know, challenge WWE. But um, I kept it alive. You know, it cost me a lot of fucking money, uh, more than anyone would ever believe. But it uh it, it lasted. In, at least I was able to sell it to the Sinclair people, who were much maligned, but they 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 too kept it alive. You know, which is a whole nother story. But um, and now the Tony Khan. The Tony Khan era, I don't think I don't I don't really think uh, I don't know I I and I know oh well it's because you used Tony carry. I don't think anyone really cares about Ring of Honor that much anymore I'm sorry. It's funny you should say...
0: Not that nobody cares about Ring of Honor, obviously. But it's funny you should bring up Tony Khan. Ring
2: of Honor.
1: Yeah, it's funny you should bring up Tony Khan and the ownership because one of the questions... And I'm really sorry, I should have these open. I should be far more professional than I actually am, but I'm not. Um, So one of the questions was... Ah, it's from Dark Peach on our Discord. Um, What do you think of the new Ring of Honor, Honor under Tony Khan? Do you... I mean, obviously, I don't want to draw you on you know, if you can't say anything, but it, of what do you think of the way it's being run at the moment? You know, knowing that this is effectively your baby that you, you know, you reared. And obviously you said you invested a hell of a lot of time and a hell of a lot of money into.
2: Well, it's nice. It's nice that the name is alive Mm. and I'm happy. The guys, a lot of my friends are getting work Mm. But, uh, you know, and and maybe it's going to find its way to a destination television, uh, you know, a a destination cable outlet. Mm. But the way the way it's being run now, um, where only the subscribers can see it. And I don't I don't think there's that many of them. And. I'm sure that there's the Ring of Honor shows that are shown to the Honor Club patrons make their way to YouTube somehow before they get scrubbed. But I don't understand why, why Tony Khan wouldn't put them on, whatever. Uh, it's it's very odd the way it's being run now. But uh, look, he's a, he's a billionaire. And uh, who am I? Um, but uh, it's 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 definitely like uh a, a second fiddle kinda.
1: Yeah, no, I I do understand what what you mean with that.
2: It... And I'm not being sour grapes. I mean <laughs> I'm being honest. Oh, yeah,
3: you're always honest, Carrie. You know, you're I just being honest.
2: This, I, I would think I don't know. What do you guys think?
1: it's it's a weird one because ring of honor i didn't start watching like oh four oh five oh six oh seven ring of honor until 2012 2013 and that was when i was like oh my god this promotion was insane and i don't think i've seen a promotion go through such peaks and troughs in terms of like it's it's aesthetic and things like obviously you've got you know, Carrie Silkin. then you've got Sinclair, and then you've got Tony Khan. They feel like three almost completely different companies. Um, at the moment, like you say, until Ring of Honor is available to be seen by everyone, then it's effectively, again, this is just my opinion, it's effectively a farming ground for AEW talent, and it just feels a bit like a developmental territory for AEW. At the moment, Which is a shame when you think about how pioneering Ring of Honor was and you look at the names that have come out. There's Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe, wages I, I know that, you know, obviously there's TNA and stuff, but, you know, all these huge names. Nigel McGuinness, all these huge names. Matt Turner. Um...
0: How dare you, sir? <laughs> how dare you?
3: Uh, maybe CM Punk. You know, I forgot about that name. Yeah, I appreciate exactly.
2: sure it. But, um... The argument would be that it gets some exposure Uh, on you know the on the tbs whatever on on their three shows uh oh they'll suddenly be a a ring of honor title match but as a full entity it's just very different
1: yeah no i i get that and
3: if do you, you don't, my thing is, I'm sorry, Rob. I'm gonna cut. Yeah, you I mean, obviously, anytime you mention Ring of Honor, ROH, it's it's very near and dear to my heart, as as I'm sure carries mm. as well. Mm. Um, but I just don't see why you can't get at least an hour of TV time, or at least put it up on YouTube to make right. it for free, stream it on YouTube for free to get a little bit more exposure, and then maybe do the pay per views on Honor Club for the ten dollars, like, like how it was. But now, if you want to watch the pay per views. They're $40, $45. I mean, it's like, if you want to do the Death Before Dishonors, the final battle, the anniversary show, so on and so forth, you can put it on Honor Club or on Fight, how they had it for, you know, the $9.99 or whatever. So, again, that's just my opinion on it. Um, again, what do I know?
2: Well, it is what it is. Uh, once again, it still exists. And uh, what else can you say?
1: I mean, that's got to be a source of huge pride for yourself. Lovely, great stuff. Um, <laughs> that's got to be a great source of pride for you. Like you said, you know, it could, and in, in your words, probably should have folded, you know, a couple of times in the lead up to the sale to Sinclair. And yet, well, you know,
2: it's true. I, I should have pulled the plug on it. You know, I mean, the, 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 the numbers were, uh, the only good thing about it was uh, financially, I could use it for a tax write-off against my ticket business that was doing very well at the time. Genius, but um, it still didn't balance out. You know, it just it it, it was it was rough. But and me uh, looking yeah. In the end, I survived. The product survived. It gave a lot of notoriety to a lot of wrestlers. If there was no ring of honor, would uh, Eddie Edwards or Kyle O'Reilly or Tyler Black made it anyway? Probably, but it was a very good platform. Mm. Everyone was, you know, whether it was WWE or TNA, they were watching. You know, so it was a good platform, and uh, I'm glad I was able to provide that. And uh, you know, uh, but it, but the 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 2004 to 11 period was a very special time.
1: You literally read my mind, then Gary, because I was gonna say if you look back on your time in Ring of Honor, you you know, from the moment you took it on to you know, <coughs> Sinclair broadcasting and then the everything that surrounded COVID that ruined everything. Um what are sort of your favourite memories? Match up matchups, you know, nights things that stick out to you as moments that you think, hell yeah, that I did that.
0: Storylines, stuff Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There's there's a there's a tremendously overlooked reason that has nothing to do with any wrestlers or any storylines as to what was one of the main things that made Ring of Honor stand out. And what it was, I'm not going to make you guys guess. What it was, was me with a background, a rudimentary background in stage lighting, and a rock and roll guy bringing in lighting. And pipe and drape and entranceways and making it look like an event. I'll never forget the first time I suggested this, and we were still at the Murphy Rec Center. I don't even know if you were there yet, Matt, but.
3: As a fan, yes. It was hot as hell in the summer. Holy jeez.
2: <laughs> and Gabe, Gabe Sapolsky, who is a rock and roll guy. He's like, Carrie, we don't need lighting. We're just an indie. That was his exact quote. (laughs) And I said to Gabe, I know Gabe, like one of his favorite bands was Rush. He was another, another of his favorite bands was Slayer. So I said, when you go to see Rush, uh, what happens when the house lights go down? Oh, the people pop. I go, right. And even if you go to a movie, you know, when the uh, little movie house lights go down, there's a smattering of applause, right? Yeah. So bringing in, it was very simple in the beginning, four lighting towers on the corners, six six ring lights on each, on a dimmer and a follow spotlight and an entrance platform and my point is it was rock and roll Mm. and it brought us out of you know these typical shows with no fucking lighting no production and it was once we did you know once Gabe saw it or, or, he was like you know he would never say you were right but it's like <laughs> but it was like it had to be and as 2004 5, 6, 7 went on we started using moving lights besides the ring lights there were moving lights on the uh, on the towers and there was lighting on the entrances and so each each of the uh wrestlers would have uh a programmed entrance mm-hmm. with you know and you know lighting is very lighting for the, theatrics is very subconscious if you went and saw metallica and there was uh i don't know Uh, At the last time they do the chorus of uh, Sandman, they saved like a hundred yellow lamps that have never been seen till that moment. Right. And it's like, you know, that last, you know, eh, boom. And it's like if there's 10,000 people there, none of them are saying, ooh. Did you see when they used all those yellow and orange lights? It's like subconscious. Mm. So that that was a huge I I I know it. That was a huge part of Ring of Honor's success. That it you know a, that it looked it looked like something. Mm. And that I will take credit for.
3: And it looked it came across better on the DVDs too. You know, that okay. came across better on the
2: DVDs. My mistake, well, there was a million mistakes, but one of my mistakes was not getting better cameras, but whatever. But overall, the idea worked. And once you do a show with lighting, you can't not do it.
1: Mm. Yeah. You can't so, go back to not having lighting. Right.
2: So whether we would go to Dayton or Detroit or wherever, we had to have, you know, and it was expensive, but it was part of the show.
3: And heavy as part of the ring crew, especially that rampway, <laughs> that steel rampway, carry. holy geez. I People know. ever say, I wonder if those kids at Ring of Honor paid their dues between the thousand squats CM Punk had us doing, and then that giant rampway that went down that way, that was heavy.
2: And don't forget all that pipe, all the curtain we had, the pipe and Yeah, break. that was mostly
3: Wayne and Mary. We made them do it. You know, that well, was there. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. Listen, you couldn't tell if there was, you know, you don't want it. The last thing you want to see is empty seats. Mm, of course. So anyway, that that was a that that was a contributing factor. As far as great moments, I mean, there's so many, uh, and I'm not really good with remembering specific dates and times. It was great going to Liverpool, yes. going to the UK twice. Um the J- Japan was fantastic. Uh getting to do the Hammer, you know, we went from the Kabashi match was in the ballroom at the Manhattan it wasn't even at the Manhattan Center or the Hammerstein. That was in the ballroom of the New Yorker Hotel. And then we advanced to the Manhattan Center, which is where they did the first Monday night raw.
1: Yes. Yeah.
2: And then we did the Hammerstein, and then under Sinclair we did the Garden. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, and I mean, so many great talents, and uh, I used to like the idea of us paying tribute to uh, legends of the past bringing in bobby heenan bringing in uh harley race bringing in you know the midnight express you know we worked with coronet a lot uh and you know so many other guys bruno were you there at Matt, were you there for Bruno in 2000? I wasn't
3: there for Bruno. I was there for Heenan. I was there for a lot of Cornette. Cornette was amazing. After we had our first match, which was the Carnage True just beating the crap out of me the same <laughs> day my daughter was born, beating the crap out of me, taking the top row pile driver as my dad for about eight hours. As soon as I was carried out of the curtain because I was selling the top row pile driver, the first people to greet me was Cornette. Eaton Lane and uh, Dennis Condry which I thought was great but uh Ricky Steamboat as well I mean uh yeah, talked about- Foley. yeah Foley all those guys were just great Dusty Dusty can't forget Dusty Dusty
2: yeah another thing when I suggested bringing Bruno uh and that was in New York Gabe who's very smart and I you know Gabe Gabe was a very good booker and uh for the period of time um, but he was like Carrie I know Bruno's your childhood hero but our fans don't care about him and I'm like dude and Gabe's a baseball fan I go Do you think the young kids care about Babe Ruth now well you know I go this is so we had Bruno and uh it was a success and uh, his, his one of the few times I didn't lose money. His, his fee, we sold enough autographs to cover his fee essentially. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, 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 used to like bringing in these legends and uh, you know, get, getting to see all these guys from day one whether it was, uh, Tyler Black or, uh, you know, Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards and, uh, stupid Austin Aries and, uh, oh, um, Austin. All, these guys, you know, all these guys, you know, uh, the Nigel of course, and, and, uh, Roderick Strong and AJ Styles and moving on to, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, moving on to uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and so on and so forth. It's very special.
1: I mean, you look back at that roster, like over the years, and you look at it's it's easier to name who hasn't been in Ring of Honor than, you know, I mean, you've named some absolute legends of American wrestling. Um, in the making, really. Um, you mentioned Gabe Sapolsky, and that's that's something I wanted to sort of ask. Um, and Midnight Dreary on our Discord, who apparently is a huge fan of yourself and ring of honor, um, has asked, How did the initial talks with Gabe about buying the company go? And he quite a controversial statement. He's put, is Gabe the best promotion starter? in wrestling history
2: well i mean it wasn't just him it was the other you know doug doug and the other guy
4: yeah
2: and uh i i I knew i knew all those guys from ecw Mm. because i was an ecw fan and uh when ecw went away i sort of knew that Uh, these guys were going to start a promotion, which they did. And I went to the, I was at the first spring of honor show as a fan. And I told them, listen, you know, I would love getting involved, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, they didn't need my help for like a year. And then they came to me, you know, for financial, uh, to get involved financially um they were going through the transition from VHS to DVDs. And when the ship went down with that other guy, um I, I never had an intent. My original intent was just to sort of be behind the scenes. I didn't really want to be the owner, but it's funny how things go and i wound up uh <clears throat> i wound up being the owner so i did the best i could
1: and the rest is history <laughs> so they say um midnight Drew has got another question i think this is the most important question that we're going to ask the entire podcast um what was your first impression of matt turner as a wrestler Whoa. and as a person <laughs> so double double edged sword oh, geez. Here, <laughs> now do not really
2: he was a good guy. And a <laughs> good hand. Him.
1: There you go, man.
2: I'll take it. Absolutely. Yes, you
3: will. If, if he would have buried me, I would have been like, Rob, you can edit that out, right? <laughs> Absolutely. There's going to be some
1: fuzz across the screen at that point. <laughs> um, We've got another question about uh, CM Punk, who obviously, huge part of Ring of Honor's history and obviously back again, now in uh, the public eye in AEW. Um, but one of... The biggest storylines in, or one of the ones that I remember um, going back on it is the Summer of Punk storyline when, mm-hmm. obviously, he, we knew he was leaving for uh, for WWE. How did that idea for Summer of Punk come about? And what was sort of the backstage, and Matt, obviously, I know you were there at this point. Um, what was sort of the backstage reaction to to all of this? That comes courtesy of, and I can never say this guy's name, May Sammers number one soldier. Don't know what that means, but there we are.
2: <laughs> well, no, nobody knew. It was one of the few times like WWE gave him a grace period of, mm. of like six or eight weeks. I forget. So everybody thought that he was leaving imminently. Mm. And the night, that night in Morristown, New Jersey, where he ran out of the building with the belt. Yeah. Well, I met him in the parking lot. Nobody knew this. And myself and Punk, it was the same weekend that the Yankees and the Chicago Cubs were playing at Yankee Stadium for the first time in like seventy years or something. So he you know he being a Cubs fan, we got out of there, we drove to the city, we stayed overnight in Manhattan and went to the went to Yankee Stadium the next day. And uh, nobody knew nobody knew. No one was smart and, except for Gabe and Sid. And me, myself, nobody else was smartened up. Mm. And uh, he, if you're going to ask me, what you know, he had a few more matches, ending with that last match in Chicago, right, Matt? Yeah, with Cabana. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, yeah, that was pretty cool.
1: The yeah, the entire run was like that. That sort of swan song, his swan song in Ring of Honor was so perfectly booked. It really was, and that enduring moment of him kneeling in the middle of the ring as all those streamers come, it is, it's, it's perfection. It really is. Um, was it your idea to have him sign his WWE contract after dropping the belt to Aries? No, no. Right, okay. I just wanted to ask. That was a question we were asked. And I just wanted to sort of put that in because obviously we were talking about Punk.
2: But, but- Listen, as far as the, uh, the booking of, of, of Ring of Honor, I had, ve- I, you know, I always looked at myself as a producer. Hmm. What is a, you know, like you see a movie uh, produced by uh, whomever, uh, Martin Scorsese, right? Uh, whatever. So a producer is in charge of getting the best writers, the best technical people. <clears throat> the best, so on and so forth. Mm. So I would let, you know, when Gabe was booking, I would let him do his thing. Mm. I mean, I would, I would once in a while say, Hey, what about such and such? But primarily I I let it, I let it go. And then, you know, after Gabe was uh, Adam Pierce yep. and which led to uh, delirious and uh, they pretty much had free reign mm. to do what they want. You know, I'm not going to take credit for things I didn't do.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I think, you know, yeah, fair enough. I have, is there anything you sort of, you did have a hand in that you sort of think back and go, that was, that was my idea. You know, obviously, I know that you say that you were more, you see yourself more as a producer rather than having your finger in the booking pie, so to speak. But is there anything you sort of look back on and go, yeah, that was my idea? Anything big, anything small,
2: anything that you can remember? Well, uh, like I told the Bruno story, something like that. Mm-hmm. I also, I also was able to, uh, uh, I had a good relationship with Carnet. Like I'm like one of the only wrestling promoters in history that Carnette doesn't have a beef with. <laughs> like we, always got, we always got along. Same with McFoley. Like when we when we when we had McFoley, we couldn't afford him, but he was he he liked being there so much that he 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 told me, "Look, Carrie, I'll I'll do like the don't tell anybody."
4: I'm like cuz he
2: just liked being there. And he didn't need the money, and when when he would do autographs at a show, he wanted it to go to charity and uh so my rapport with a lot of these guys was my strong point yeah including including the wrestlers
3: and one thing too carrie used to do um for those who don't know is when you would come in to either buy your tickets or at the door carrie would greet you like a greet, like thanks for coming that you don't see like Vince mcmahon doing that or dixie carter or you know, Rossi Ogawa, you don't see any of that but Carrie. And, he, and he really meant it from like thanks for coming, thanks for coming and you build that rapport with your audience, not only is the show great but here's Kerry who owns the whole thing is thanking, you know, whether it's 400, 500, 600 people on their way in. Oh, and the they,
2: all, they all were smelly and sweaty <laughs> Wrestling
3: fans Kerry and like, the, you know, come on
2: 300 stinky guys wanting to hug me Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I would do that, and and I and I think it was important, you know, it, it, it that whole period of Ring of Honor was like we're all in this together, mm. not just not just the wrestlers. If you were a fan, you were like you were you were part of the club, mm. and uh, it, it you know it, it it had its own charm in that way.
1: Yeah, and this was something that, obviously, I I mentioned earlier about there being a very different sort of feel to Ring of Honor in the earlier days and then sort of Ring of Honor under Sinclair. Um, Obviously, you you weren't the owner anymore, but you were still involved in the promotion. How was the... I hate using this word, but how was the vibe different when Sinclair was sort of the owner of Ring of Honor too was it just that there wasn't that sort of family feel that all in this together feel did it feel more corporate or was it just well, different in general it,
2: it well it was different it, it was more corporate because it is corporate yeah. but um, you know uh, Joe Coff who, I'm, who I still talk to he knew that you don't want to throw carry to the curb, you know, and I was like the ROH ambassador. Mm. And uh so I, listen, I paid for that privilege, mm. you know, yeah, so right. between 2012 and 2020, whenever okay. I would go to these shows, I was, I was like, <clears throat> listen, I was like the, the uh, family dog at Thanksgiving. <laughs> Everybody would pet you, they would <laughs> to you, they would thank you, and then guess what? I would get to leave, and it didn't cost a <laughs> dime, but I did pay for that to get that privilege. And and Tony Khan, it's not the same, and and I'm not I'm not. I'm not blaming Tony Khan, no. you know, because I'm not really interested in schlepping around to these various Ring of Honor events anymore. So, um, but it would be it would be nice to be welcomed. And I mean, I I went to Trenton recently, mm. but I didn't even stay for the show. That's it's just
1: that's really quite sad. I mean, like
2: it's just that, so different. Is that is,
1: is that why? Just because it is so different.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, when when there was the transition between Sinclair and Tony Khan, the first show in Texas,
1: the Super Honor show, yeah. I was
2: still the ambassador. And FTR. Those guys made it. I I'd met them previously and they were telling me, you know, you shook our hands when, you know, separately. When, when I went to a show in Charles, wherever we were mm. and, you know, uh, we want you to give us the belts tonight. That was uh, April, t- 2022. Mm. And after that night, I was sort of cast aside um but it's okay it's okay nothing stays the same forever no. yeah, i guess
3: not. i just always was a huge fan of whenever Carrie would whether it was under the gay bear or who you know whatever the Sinclair era, that whenever there was a title change Carrie would come in and i i don't i just like the prestige of that you know the streamers the the tradition of pro wrestling, you know, making it as real as humanly possible. And I always thought that was one great thing, of ring of honor is that he would always award the belt to whoever, you know, came out of the big main event match. Well, the uh, last yeah, time
2: I got to do that was with, was with FTR mm. against the Briscoes. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Hell of a way to go out though, boss. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. That's the end.
2: Hell of a way to go out. So match, that was. <laughs> Tough on the top. So, uh, listen, uh, I had a good run, and uh, hopefully it'll be remembered positively in the annals of pro wrestling history.
1: I can't see any way this it wouldn't do, Carrie, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, Wrestling's got a lot to thank you for. Um, Literally just a couple more questions, and then we'll uh, we'll let you get off. Um, First one, how did the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame induction come about. Congratulations by the way, 100% Thank you. deserved.
2: <laughs> um, when they were doing the awards for the first, and that's been forgotten about too. Forget me. How come there hasn't been a second class of inductees? It, anyway, um, delirious Asked me, can I come down to Baltimore? We're doing this presentation. You know, it's, uh, it was, it wasn't a live event. And I had a feeling, you know, they might do something nice for me. And uh, so, but I wasn't sure. And uh, I went down and uh, it was very nice of them. And uh, so that's what happened you know and uh it it sits it sits on a mantelpiece back here with the with the original ring of honor belt and the and the original ring of honor pure title which i still have
1: that's amazing that that is quite a collection to have on your mantelpiece.
2: Well, now I know when I come over for
3: the visit, Rob, <laughs> you're gonna get pictures of me as I find the Ring of Honor champion or pure champion. Told,
2: only took me 20 years. And the original or not the super original, but the Ring of Honor tag belts that I had those two and after the tragedy with Jay. Rest in peace. I, I gave them. Those were given to the family.
1: That's that's a beautiful I, touch. I don't need those. That no. really is. Yeah. I think if anyone epitomized the Ring of Honor Tag Division, Ring of Honor in general, then it's uh, Mark and Jay Briscoe. Yep. Um, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, final question from me, anyway. I, I, might, uh, I have
3: a, I have a fun one. It's going to be a rock and roll one, Kerry. You'll enjoy this, um, but go ahead, Mr. Goodwin. My,
1: my <laughs> last question is, obviously... Pro wrestling, would you be interested or have you any interest left in being a part of pro wrestling? Whether that being starting another promotion, whether that being, you know, more involved in Ring of Honor, which I get the impression probably not in Ring of Honor at the moment. Um, Would you be interested in involving yourself in pro wrestling or are you happy sort of looking back and going, hell yeah, I had a good, I had a damn good run with everything.
4: Um, I,
2: if I was younger and maybe a little healthier, uh, the answer might be different, but th- at this stage of my life, I'm happy with what I did. Mm-hmm. I can go to any WWE event. I can go to any AEW slash ROH event. I can go to any you know, local yokel event, and it's like, oh, it's Carrie, cool, you know. Mm. And uh, so, I, uh, I, that's good enough for me at this stage. It really is.
1: Yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. Um, Matt, um, uh, would you like to end on the fun question? And then uh, yeah, absolutely.
3: Quick two-part question there, uh, Carrie. If we were to have a time machine, let's just say it's a DeLorean. Let's say this baby's full of plutonium. We have Doc Brown driving the seat. If you can go back to any concert that you've been to in your life, which one would be? And the second part, is there any rock band or rock act or any musical act that you've never seen before that if you could take this time machine and go and see it, that you would see? A, well,
2: good the, the, part, the part two is Queen. I knew he was going say that. I don't, know yes. how the, I don't know how the fuck I missed <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a sense, you know, I, w- I wasn't old enough to see Hendrix mm. or The Doors <clears throat> or Janice Joplin. I de- I'm one of the only people that saw all four Beatles because I was at the Elton John show in 1974 where John Lennon came on. The last time he ever appeared publicly, wow. <clears throat> excuse me, um, but uh, yeah, I missed Queen and I missed Prince too. Oh, I don't know how the hell I did that. No. I don't know how I did that. As far as greatest concerts, everybody knows I'm a huge Jethro Tull mark. Um, you know, I. If, if if i take tall out of the equation because there they would be you know like getting to see tall in 78 or it, it would is the number one but if we take tall out of the equation um i don't know man uh, like getting to see uh the original Wings Over America with McCartney's first U.S. tour, getting to see the Who do Quadrophenia, you know, the first time. Being at Bowie in 2000, you know, there was a period of time where he retired his greatest hits, but then he said, fuck it. And, uh, I saw him, you know, but yeah, I've, uh, you know, once again, Elton John, the night John Lennon came out. Um I'm you know, listen, I'd like to be I'd like to be younger, I'd like to be your guy's age, but I saw the best shit. I mean,
1: you've literally from the start of this podcast to now, like the amount of names from rock history that you have named How many
2: people do you know that sold cocaine to John Bellucci? <laughs> Uh, you uh, one right? yeah. up
1: until about thirty <laughs> seconds ago, Carrie. No one. Um, but honestly, that might well be the tagline of this podcast episode. Um, how many people do you know who sold cocaine to John that Bellucci? Might, that's
3: the go home spot. <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the
2: the the full The full John Bellucci story. It's not like I knew him, but the full John Bellucci story can be heard on Last Stop Penn Station which, you know, these talk about human interest stories. There's some really good ones. And, you know, Ian Riccoboni was a great co-host. And they're all out there to uh, be consumed. If you have any long car rides or uh, you're bored, put, put put on a few last stop Penn Stations.
3: Yeah, I've heard every episode, and they, and they're yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah, and Ian, uh, Ian's, Ian's terrific. You guys, you guys as a team are absolutely terrific. And it was just, it was, it seemed like it would just hit record. He'd have a couple questions, and you you would go carry. They were they were fantastic, fantastic stories.
2: So, uh, anything else? Hmm. I
1: mean, I've got literally thousands of questions, but we'll we'll let you go, Carrie. Um, we'll, do it, we'll do
2: it another time. How about absolutely. that? Absolutely, Honestly,
1: I would absolutely love that, and I'm sure our listeners would, because that was possibly one of the most captivating hours of podcasting I've done.
2: Um, oh, you tell that to everybody.
1: <laughs> I do, you right, <laughs> but it's fine.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he podcasts with me, so I mean, that's the bottom of exactly. the barrel, Carrie. So it's only up from there, you know. <laughs> Not true. <laughs>
1: Um, no, but thank you again, Carrie, for joining us today and Lena's Lena's picky brain. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. We have really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. It's
3: um, been an honor, right, Rob? I mean, come
2: honor.
3: on. <laughs> <laughs> right You're there. Welcome.
2: Matt, hopefully I'll see you around somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, maybe I'll
3: catch you and Ian at an Iron Pig game or something like that. You know, that's our local uh, team. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. But uh, let me know when this comes out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Do uh, you want to plug anything, Carrie, before we uh, we let you go?
2: Oh, you could find me on X. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the hell it's called nowadays. Instagram at, at, at R-O-H-C-A-R-Y. There you go. Make and sure. once again, you know, I, I was there. There's still hope for a last stop Penn Station book.
1: Oh, yeah. Don't tease us like this, Carrie.
3: Well, Carrie, if you do come out with that, I know a podcast that you can help promote it on with two <laughs> very <laughs> handsome individuals. Uh, one from Northeastern Pennsylvania and one from, uh,
2: from England. So uh... yeah. we'd be more than up for that. <laughs> well, let, let's, let's do this again sometime. All right.
3: Absolutely. Carrie. Thank you so much. Appreciate all it. All right, guys.
2: Good thank you. you. Thanks, you Carrie. Take Carrie.
3: care. Thank you very much.
2: You're Thanks. welcome. I had fun. Yeah. Thanks a lot.
3: Absolutely. Good seeing you again.
1: And, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Um, I think you'll agree it has been an absolute blast talking to Carrie, who, honestly, has been incredible and uh, has come out with some absolute belting one liners. Um, and hopefully, we will game on again because I can't wait to uh, talk to him about. So much more.
3: I know. I was asking about Masawa trying to get Kawada in. I, you know, how I thought that it was, you know, obviously he was very honest about his opinions of the current state of Ring of Honor. I think it's great that the uh, the Tony Khan, the Khan family has kept the heartbeat in it and has kept it alive. So that's a huge plus, uh, you know, for me there. But, yeah, he's uh, he's fantastic. And it's, uh, it was really good chatting with him again. And just he's got a memory on that. That's terrific. And, yeah, if you have not done so, please go back into the uh, the podcast ether and uh, listen to Last Stop at Penn Station. It's absolutely fantastic. But that was terrific. Loved it.
1: It really is completely worth, you know, there are episodes that go so, so long, and literally it goes by like that because Carrie is a fantastic storyteller and Ian Bonnie, a fantastic co-host. Um, but, yes, thank you so much for joining us, guys. We really do appreciate it. You know where to find us. By now, we are literally absolutely everywhere, podcasting uh, platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. Um, You can also check out our YouTube channel as well. Um, If you want to find us on social media, you can find us at the Stardom Cast. If you want to talk to me, you can talk to me. at at Real Rob Goodwin on the Twitter or the X or whatever. Um, And, yeah, uh, Matt, sign us off, good sir.
3: Absolutely. questions comments anything I could do for you guys Matt Turner OF on the Twitter or the X uh, <laughs> and or the Instagram uh, if you want to shoot me an email that's fine as well the stardomcast 22 at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of me via email once again folks thank you all so much for uh, listening and watching this podcast if you have not done so please go over to our YouTube channel hit that subscribe button as we're trying to get the subscriptions up on anything that you can do uh, greatly helps us out like I said Anything that myself or Mr. Real Rob Goodwin can do for you, just let us know because uh, we're all this together, folks. Like I always say, it's just not my podcast. It's our podcast because we're all this together and everybody's different, everybody's special.
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
2: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.